I'm just going to bring a, a message this morning about Jesus Christ, our Savior, God in relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us. He's mighty. He's almighty. He is the great I am. He's the creator. He's high and lifted up. We are humans with weaknesses and failings. We are humans that, that err. We are humans that go wrong. We are humans that um, make mistakes. Amen. But this almighty, holy God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Amen. That to me is such a blessing. That to me is such an uplifting uh, statement that God, and, and that message this morning, God knows who we are. He knows each individual. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our minds. We need to uh, concentrate on the Lord and let our desires be towards Him and His purpose in our lives. Shall we just ask the Lord to uh, bless and anoint this morning? Lord Heavenly Father, we give you grateful thanks for all God that you have brought us from, Lord, for your mighty hand in our lives, God, for God, your care and your love, for your purpose and plan that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. I'm asking you to help us this day, God, to find that plan, to move in you, Lord, to serve you, beloved God, to be going towards your kingdom in serving you, Almighty God. Also to be witnesses to lost souls in this world, Heavenly Father, that God, the light of God that you give to us, we can let it shine, beloved God, to men and women in this world, Lord, and children, God, that they will find their way to you, Lord, that they will find the desires of their heart are in you, Heavenly Father. I ask you please to anoint this message. I ask you please to anoint me, God, as I bring a message this morning, Lord. We ask that you have your way, God, in this service, and we give you all the glory. And thank you, God, for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. I am important to God. You say that. Amen. Do you believe it? Yes, I am important to God. Yesterday, I was important to him. Today, I'm important to him. And tomorrow, I am important to him. God cares for and is concerned about us. Always, he knows who we are, where we are, what we need, and how to answer what it is that we need. It's amazing the relationship that this humanity can have with the divine God. The love of God to and for us is far greater than any human mind can comprehend. But understand one thing, it is a fact. It is written that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Good or bad, sick or well, maimed or whole, old or young, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would shed his blood, that he would suffer such humiliation and such a painful death. And the, the suffering that led up to that death was very, very painful. But God gave that. It was God himself manifest in the flesh. He gave that, that we could have salvation, 
that we mankind could be forgiven of our sins, that we can be cleansed from those sins, that we don't stand guilty before God at the time when, he, when he, we stand before him in judgment. We will not have any guilt in our lives. We will not have any sin. Because when we have sin in our lives, we're supposed to pay a penalty for that. When we do something wrong, we have to pay a, we're supposed to pay a penalty for that. If I go to the bank and I rob it of $500, it's a small amount, but if I do that and I rob it of $500, I'm going to have the police after me. I'm going to have to face court. I'm going to have to face a judge. And I'm going to have to get a sentence on my life. And I'm going to have a black mark on my life. My name is going to go written in their books as a criminal. Somebody that's, that's uh, made a crime, that's committed a crime, and I'm not to be trusted. Now, that's what sin is. That's a sin. That's a wrongdoing. We have a moral law. We have uh, things to stand up to and things to live to. But if I do that, that's a sin. And I'm tainted. I've got a, 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 a mark, a black mark against me. And any sin is like that before God. If I rob the bank of five cents, if I just go into my mother's drawer, there's no children here, and I take five cents out because I need another five cents for an ice cream or something like that, it's stealing. Amen. It's wrong. In the eyes of God, it's wrong. And you know it's wrong when you go and you take it. But anyway, you allow yourself to commit that, that sin. But God, because of the blood of Jesus and the death and the burial of Jesus, that sin that we have in our lives is, is washed away. It's cleansed. It's forgiven. I can stand before God without any sin, without any condemnation on my life and be free to enter into heaven because of the price that Jesus paid for all of our sins. Amen. Whether you're good or whether you're bad, whether you, um, whether you are maimed or whole, whether you are young or whether you are old, it doesn't matter. Jesus died for us and we can enter into eternal life, everlasting life with him. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son, our Savior, our Redeemer, and the only Savior. There is none other. You can't preach any other. You can't teach any other. Try it, but it's not going to get you into heaven. If you want to follow any of those other teachings, and it maybe it pleases the flesh because we are in the flesh. This one thing that we cannot get away from is that we are not immortal. I mean, we're still mortal human beings, and we have the flesh around us. We have the flesh continuously with us that, that drives us sometimes, that influences our thinking, that influences our ideas, that influences what we want to do. The will, you see, is, is, is not taken away from us, our free will. And the flesh that we are in and the influence of the world can come to us and say, well, um, I'm not going to get up this morning. I'm not going to uh, go to work this morning because it's cold. The, the flesh will influence us. That's just a small decision. But when it comes to living for God, we have a lot of opposition because the flesh is pulling one way, the world is influencing another way, and the enemy of our soul is trying to get us to fall away from God. And he, he's not just arrived. He's been doing this for a long time, and he knows exactly how to speak to us, how to deal with us, how to touch us. Where we have a weakness, he's going to uh, work on that weakness so that we can maybe say, well, I'm not good enough, or oh, I'll keep doing the same thing over and over again. But you know, if you do, if you do keep doing the same thing, and me, if I keep doing the same thing over and over again, 
I have an advocate. I need to go to God. I need to repent. I need to ask God to forgive me of that. And I need to ask him to help me to overcome and to stop doing that. It's not over for me because I've done something wrong. It's not finished because I've made a mistake. It's not finished because it's a mistake that recurs. I mean, it's not over. I want you to understand we can go to God, I mean, and repent of that. And he will cleanse us and he will forgive us. And if we continue to pray about it, God is going to give us strength to overcome. God is going to make a way for us to overcome and we'll be victorious. Amen. Hallelujah. There are many titles and names of Jesus which describe to us who he is and what he does, how he relates to mankind. In fact, there are at least 200 of these names and titles. Some very few examples are (coughs) the bridegroom. The bright and morning star, <coughs> the comforter, <coughs> sorry, the cornerstone, the good shepherd, head of every man, prince of peace, redeemer, the lamb of God, teacher come from God, the word, the rock, the bread of life. Jesus is enough. Amen. We talk about the bread of life. He, he supplies that spiritual food for us to give us strength in our inner man to continue with him, to be able to overcome, to actually have a greater understanding of his word, to have a greater understanding of our relationship with him. All of these titles are in the context of his relationship to man. God not, did not bring the world into existence without man in mind. We all know that. God did not manifest himself in flesh, suffer a painful death on the cross, and shed sinless blood not to have a relationship with man. From the beginning, in John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's as I've spoken about early on. God himself manifest himself, and he came and dwelt amongst man. God desires a relationship with his human creation. God desires to sup with us, bear our burdens, hear our prayers, fill us with his spirit, that is to dwell within us, just not apart, not outside of us, but to dwell in us. You can't get any closer than that, amen. And that's how God uh, wants to be with us. God wants to be with us, to guide us, and to lead us. And it's a part of our salvation is to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling within us, amen. And the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. There are some beliefs today that say, well, I believe in God, I've got the Holy Ghost. I just have to say a a prayer of repentance and... um, give my life to God or ask Jesus to come into my heart and be my savior. And then I have received the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible doesn't teach us that way. The Bible tells us that when we speak, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Amen. So it's not a language that we make up. It's not a language that we learn. It's not a language that we're instructed in. We ourselves that are speaking that, that language don't know what that language is. But we do know that God knows what it is and we can communicate with him. 
I mean, so you do, you do need to act in receiving the Holy Spirit. It's not just going to happen because I believe, because we believe. We need to take a step of faith and ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples did and those 120 on the day of Pentecost. They were told to tarry and to wait, and that's what they did. They went to the upper room, and there they waited, and they tarried, and they waited and tarried until the promise was fulfilled. They took a step of faith. They took action. It didn't just happen. Amen. So I thank God for that. I I love that truth, and I know in my own heart I've got no doubt that that I've got the Holy Ghost. I have got no doubt whatsoever. Amen. And I can even go back to those many years ago when I was filled with the Holy Ghost and remember that experience just in case somebody tries to make me doubt, just in case there's some doubt comes into my life. I can remember the actual experience that I had and I can remind myself who prayed for me, where I was, and what, when, I, when I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Amen. Nothing can take that away from me. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. We need an experience, a personal experience with God. Amen. To, to speak about the bridegroom for a minute, Jesus is the bridegroom and he's coming to take his church away. This promise is still to be fulfilled. He's coming back again. And at this time, there'll be, it'll be in a glorious event, a great a great and never before event to take place. Sorry. Another glorious event, so great, and will have never taken place before. When Jesus comes to take his church away, we're actually looking for that day. And when we read the Bible and we see the signs, we know that it's very, very close. We know that it's very close for him to come. And in order for us to meet the bridegroom, the Bible speaks about the church being the bride of Christ. And because of sin in our lives, we've got stain on ourselves. But because of the washing away of those stones, we put on Jesus Christ and we have a clean garment. We have a stainless garment. We have a fresh garment, a white garment. And when Jesus Christ comes to take us away, we will be ready to meet him in the air because there won't be any sin. And another thing is we speak about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for when he comes to take this, this mortal body and to meet him in the sky, to meet him in the air. Amen. That's the power that's going to resurrect us. It says in the Bible that that same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead will resurrect our mortal bodies and evermore we will be with the Lord. So one day we'll be jumping. Amen. We won't, we won't even be jumping and getting ready. You don't have to do this and do your physical exercises. Don't worry about it. Amen. Just make sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Just make sure that you're able to reach out to God. Just make sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And one day when He comes, you won't even be jumping. Amen. You'll be like, whoops, hello. I'm in heaven. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank God my clothes are clean. Thank God I've got no stain in my body. Thank God I'm free. Thank God I prayed all those times. Thank God I went to church all those times. Thank God I sacrifice. Thank God I gave up my tithes and my offerings. Thank God I didn't say those bad words that I wanted to say. Thank God that I could repent and ask him to forgive me. Thank God I have arrived. Hallelujah. The bridegroom is going to come for his bride. We are the bride of Christ. How marvelous, how marvelous. Oh, Jesus, I feel your presence, Lord. How marvelous is our great God. 
Oh, hallelujah. So we are washed and we are cleansed from any sin and wrongdoing. Nothing is going to stop Jesus Christ from coming back. Nothing. This is a future event, and it is a fact. You can read it in your Bible. It's not a speculation. It's not a maybe. It's an actual fact that it's going to happen. People are going to be wondering what on earth has taken place. And already the world is making uh, plans to cover up. So that people are not, because we've told people that Jesus Christ is coming back again. The world knows that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen. So one day we're all going to disappear and this, the, the church is going to be empty. We're all going to be gone. But the world is going to have a reason and say, well, the aliens have taken the, the people away. That's where they've disappeared to or something like that, I believe. They're trying to cover up that um, that Jesus Christ has come to take his church away. But Jesus Christ is true and his promises are true. And I really am looking forward to that day. And it doesn't matter where we're living throughout the world. As long as we're right with the Lord, he's going to catch us up and take us to meet him in the air. Amen. Jesus is the rock. Jesus taught a parable in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, about how the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rain and the floods and the wind came down upon the house, and it fell. But the wise man, he built his house upon the rock. And although there was rain, wind, floods, the house remained. Be wise today. Build your house upon the rock. There is no flood, no wind, no rain that can destroy that rock. The rock is here to stay. Just like Brother Paul testified this morning, he said that, it may not look as if the answer's coming. It may not look as if the, the answer's on the way. But if we stay planted on that rock, we, we are safe. It's not going to fail. It's not going to fade. It's not going to break. It's not going to crack up. It's always going to be there. And we can actually, in, in times of hardship and in times of difficulties, we can cling to that rock. Not just stand on it, but we can cling to it. We can grab a hold of that rock. We can put our arms around that rock and hold on for all that we're worth. No matter how much the storm is raging around us, no matter how much we don't understand what's happening, that rock is not going to sway. It's not going to be blown by the wind. It's not going to be crumbled by the sea bashing against it. It's going to remain sure. And as long as we're holding on, we're safe. Amen. There's no flood, wind, or rain that can destroy that rock. And the rock is here to stay. We can rest assured if we hold on to the rock, if we build our faith upon the rock. Be wise today and build yourself upon Jesus the rock. For no other foundation can a man lay than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the bread of life. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Just remember, God was there in the beginning, 
and will be there all through. The Apostle Paul writes an epistle to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor who faces a heavy burden of responsibility in the church at Ephesus. He's really concerned about the responsibility that lays before him, and it's mainly because of his youthfulness. He's a young man, and he doesn't feel adequate for that calling to pastor. But Paul writes to him, and of all people, Paul was more more than sufficiently qualified to advise, instruct, lead, and guide young Timothy to develop into a more to develop into more mature leadership. To point out that his youthfulness could become an asset and not be a liability to him, and that he, Timothy, should pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and the gentleness that befits a man of God. Paul also instructed that false doctrine must be erased. Don't allow false doctrine to creep in. I think we need to be stubborn about our doctrine. I think we need to dig our heels in, amen. And I don't think we need to listen to what other people have got to say, amen. Be careful of false doctrine. Men may change doctrines, but what God has written is the sure, immovable foundation. Paul writes to Timothy, citing his own experience with Jesus. 1 Timothy 1 and 12, you don't have to turn with me, I'll read it. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worth of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which hereafter, which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. It seems that as Paul pens these words, he feels swelling in him a great gratitude of love for God. God who forgave, interrupted his journey of persecution of those believing in Jesus pointed him in the right direction, and let him see clearly who God is. He gave him a calling. And Paul said, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Everybody has a work to do for God. We're not all Pauls, we're not all Peters, we're not all great apostles, but everybody has a work to do for God. And we can, we can find out what that work is. Some are called to preach and to teach. Some are called to uh, travel. There's many callings, but there's other callings beside that. So we are all called to witness. We are all called to tell people about Jesus Christ. We are general workers. It's very good for us to submit ourselves to the work of the Lord in small things as well. 
and God will help us to grow and develop in him. And we will be able to also find in our own characters things that God can use for his purpose. I believe that when we consider God and all he means to us in our own personal individual journey, our hearts swell with gratitude, appreciation, love, thankfulness, and we break forth into praise of God. In our time of worship, we should allow ourselves to let go and let God. It's a wonderful time when we come to the house of the Lord and we worship him in song. It's just amazing, and it's all put out there for us. We don't have to do anything. The song leader and the musicians, they prepare it all way ahead of time. Amen. It's all already prepared, and we arrive, and uh, we mustn't say, well, I don't like that song, and it's not doing nothing for me. Amen. I'm just not going to worship God because that song does nothing for me. Amen. We must sing the songs and worship and praise God and allow God to minister. As we open ourselves to him, he's going to come into us. He's going to come and minister. He's going to come into the service, and we're going to feel his presence. There's nothing like it. And when you leave, you can testify time and time again how you came to the house of God and you were feeling down or you were feeling tired or whatever the case may be. And after you leave the service, you completely change. You are different. Amen. One of the things for that reason, of course, the word is God. The word is here. The power of God is here. His presence is here. But one of the big reasons is that you've allowed yourself to reach out to him. You've allowed yourself in liberty to worship him. It doesn't matter what the man next door to you or the person next door to you is doing or behind you. Please don't worry about that. Amen. It's your relationship with God. When God has a relationship with you, it's you and God. It's not you and the person at the end of the row or God and the person at the end of the row missing you out. No, he has a personal relationship with you. Amen. And you need to reach out. We need to reach out and grow and develop in that relationship. It also helps us to hear from God when we want to know what direction God has for us. We, we have a relationship with God. We worship him openly. We pray. He can speak to us and we can find that direction. And all of us need to grow. It's not going not to be a spiritual dying the day that you're born of the water and of the Spirit. You're not going to be a preacher, a conference preacher. Forget about that. Amen. Don't even go there. Allow yourself to grow. Amen. Allow yourself to take baby steps. Allow yourself to learn to walk. Allow yourself to grow in the Lord. And, and don't turn your back on God. You know, so many people do. They say, well... It hasn't worked out, and I'm not going to go to church today, and uh, it hasn't worked out, and I haven't. Don't do that. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Maybe you don't have the answers. Maybe you don't have it clear before you. But God's not going to reveal it all to you. He's not going to show it all to us. You, it has to be step by step. You take a little child that's three years old or two years old or something. I don't know if I've said this before and wants to play in the street. And the parent says, no, 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 you're not going to play in the street, come here. And the child says, oh, I'm going to play in the street. I mean, the child doesn't understand how dangerous it is for him to be playing in the street. But the parent understands. The mature one, the adult, he understands what it is. And he prevents that hardship coming to that child. It's the same with walking with the Lord. Don't do dangerous things. Don't go out into a place where it's dangerous and it's hard. I mean, allow the Lord to let you, to develop you and to grow you step by step. And that's what we want. I mean, well, I want to live for God. We want to live for Him. 
and we want his will for our lives. That's why we're all here. That's why we stepped out for salvation. That's why we reach out to him continuously. Amen. This in times of worship, we should let go and let God, and we will experience his wonderful presence every time, where he melts us, embraces us, strengthens us, encourages us, helps us, and fills us with his love. This eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God has angels who have free wills, but are obedient to him without hesitation. They are intelligent, they are glorious, they are holy, they are powerful, and have many other characteristics that appeal. Yet he chose to pay the price for the salvation of us, mankind. What a wonderful God. He knows all things and has a love for mankind that goes beyond our understanding. God puts a desire in our hearts to love him and live for him, to please him and to serve him. Consider that God desires a relationship with man. It's a mighty thing. Amen. History tells us that he had a relationship, a personal relationship with Adam and Eve. And with the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph, Joseph demonstrated his relationship with God because he would not enter into temptation to sin against God. With the nation of Israel to be his people and to worship him, he had a relationship. He drew them out of bondage and he brought them into a place to have a relationship and to worship him. With the, world in Jesus, with the world in Jesus Christ, God himself became that flesh and experienced um, humanity. The good teacher in John chapter 6 and 14, 1 to 14, I'd like to read that. It's quite a lengthy reading. John chapter 6, verse 1 to 14. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over, above, over and above 
unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into this world. Amen. As we read the word of God, we see that there was a great cloud, crowd that followed Jesus, mainly because of their, their uh, to witness miracles and their desire to see more miracles take place. Also because many personally had need of miracles. The crowd were also drawn because of his teachings. After Jesus fed the 5,000, as the Bible account reads, Jesus perceived that there would be those who would take him by force to make him king. So he departed into a mountain alone by himself. Alone. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea to Capernaum. It was dark and a great wind arose and blew. They rose some distance, then they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto them. They were afraid, but he said, It is I, be not afraid. And Jesus got into the boat. The next day the people stood on the other side of the sea. They could not see Jesus, neither his disciples. So they took to shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? And Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Verse 20, in the verse 27 of John 6, it says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. The crowd is focusing on the physical. These people work hard for their daily bread. Their focus is on physical food, which is temporal. But like the manna in the wilderness, it doesn't last long. The physical life is flesh and blood, which will not last forever. It is transitory. In John 6 and 51, Jesus teaches them, He is the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In humanity, there is an appetite. God gives us the appetite in order to remind us to refeed ourselves. Perhaps some of us don't need reminding too often, but this is, uh, this is, to, but this is to prompt us to fortify, nourish ourselves, and give us strength. We use the foodstuffs when we exert energy, and they need to be replaced continuously. We can ignore the prompting of our appetite, but eventually we will fall down and die if we don't eat. The body does store some reserves, which will only keep for a short period of time. But eventually, all these reserves will depleted, be depleted and we will die. God has placed a hunger and a thirst in us for him. We can ignore the promptings to come and eat from the bread of life, to take from the bread of life, to receive the, the, um, the teachings from God, to develop our strength, our inner strength, our inner man. Amen. We can ignore those and we can, we can fall down and we can die. But we can answer that and we can go to Jesus. We can go to the bread of life and be fed from what God gives us. We can be fed from his word continuously and be strengthened <clears throat> within to go the distance. Amen. Could I have a pianist, please? Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 
Blessed, Sister Leanne, would you come please? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let us have a strong appetite to serve God. Let us be greedy to serve God. Let us reach out to him and he will fill us. Amen. In Exodus chapter 33 and 29, we read, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow upon you a blessing. I'm inviting us, if you want to consecrate, consecrate yourself to the Lord today, even just a part of you, even a, uh, of you, your life, to consecrate it to the Lord if you want to come to the altar and, and uh, submit to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 